Hey, we made it back. That's good. How many of you have had a chance to egg somebody so far? I've at least egged one person. How many of you wish it was real eggs? That'd be a little more fun, wouldn't it? Hey, uh, I think, if I'm remembering it, I think we're starting uh, chapter 8. Does that sound right to everybody? Yes? We're good? Okay, and I, do we have the crazy roving microphone people? Huh? One more coming. All right. Okay. So with that, why don't we, we're okay digging in? We're all right? All right. So grab your Bibles. Let's go. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 8. At this rate, we will get 1 Corinthians done in about 2014. Uh, but we'll know it. We will know this book of the Bible uh, really well by then. Okay, let me pray and uh, then we'll, we'll get started. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, I just ask that uh, tonight you would just honor the fact that uh, we've taken this evening and we've set it aside and just said, I, I want to know God's word better. So God, would you meet us in this room? Would your spirit teach us and would you help us to be true to scripture and true to what you've said? And God, more than that, would you help us to live uh, what we learned together tonight? May our lives change uh, because we spent this time. In this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to struggle tonight because I forgot my reading glasses. Let's see what we can do. Um, please don't tell the rest of the church I need reading glasses. I'm trying very hard to keep that secret. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Uh, here's uh, what it says. Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man that thinks he knows something does not know yet as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the stuff. There's controversy going on within uh, the church. My mom gave me these. All right. All right. They, look at that. You can see again. Okay, thank you, mom. All right. Okay, so what's happening is there is controversy going on in, in within the early church, and the controversy is centered around this idea of food sacrificed to idols. Now, here's why this is a big deal. Because within the culture of the day, especially within almost any city outside of Jerusalem, uh, the common practice would be that if you wanted to avoid disease, if you didn't want to get sick from meat, because you got to remember, there's no refrigerators going on. Most of these butchers are hanging their meat in their uh, outside at their market. Flies are coming and landing on that meat all day long. And it wasn't that uncommon for you to buy a piece of meat uh, in town, take it home and cook it, and still end up sick. So the guarantee for you was, uh, as you went to the butcher, they would have a little idol sitting out there at the market, at their shop, to say, look, 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 don't worry about my meat, because my meat has been blessed by the gods. And you know that because I have my idol sitting right here. So now here comes the controversy in the church. Uh, you're part of the body of Christ. You're, you're a Christ follower. Now you go to the market. There aren't any Christians necessarily selling their meat. You're going to a butcher who does not know Jesus. He's got his little idol sitting there. And now the controversy comes in the church. Is, is it okay for a Christian to buy meat from the butcher with the idol sitting there? Are people going to believe that you're trusting the idol to make sure the meat doesn't make you sick? Should a Christian be doing And now there's controversy going on within the church. Is this okay? Isn't it okay? How, how are we supposed to respond? And apparently this is polarizing the place. This isn't, hey, this is what I think, okay, I don't know. This is polarizing the church in Corinth. And remember we said that one of the things that's really cool about studying this church is they were so messed up that you and I get to learn some amazing things watching how messed up they are and how not to do uh, these types of things uh, in the church. So they're in the midst of this debate, they're in the midst of this discussion, and it's interesting what Paul begins to say about the discussion. So let's go back there as I use my mom's glasses. Uh, chapter 8, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. 
Okay? And then he goes, so then, about eating food to sacrifice to idols. And isn't it interesting, as he begins this con- conversation with the church about this theological discussion, he talks about something that's completely off track. He said, he's, he begins to talk about, hey, knowledge does this and love does that. And so I think it's worth you and I taking a moment and just going, wait, 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 Paul, what are you thinking? And why, why did you take the time as you were diving into this discussion to set this up on the deal? So uh, here's what he says again. Uh, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. What do you think he means by that? Knowledge puffs up. Huh? Okay, so here we go. We got one. Hmm. I think maybe it's like making you arrogant or something like okay. that. Maybe like an object, puffy stuff isn't very dense, so it can be smashed down easy other than something that is built. It can have a stronger foundation. Okay, so puffy things maybe don't have a lot of substance, but they look big. Okay, so can we turn the thing on the screen and the thing, yeah. That's exactly what I wrote. Okay. Yes, no? I don't think you're getting it back there. Okay. So you guys keep working on that. All right. So knowledge puffs up. Um, what, what about knowledge puffs up? Well, basically, like the wisdom of man is not necessarily God's wisdom. Okay. And I agree with that. I'm, and I think you're dead right because Scripture says that. So you'd have to be right. I don't know if that's exactly what he's getting at here. Okay? So let's just stop. Let's just process for a second. And it is, and here it is, guys. The one reason we're stopping and pausing here is because here's what, here's what happens. Most of us read past this and we go, what? And you just keep going biblically. And sometimes when you do that, if you don't stop and, and kind of take some time on the stuff that sounds a little weird or maybe doesn't make sense on the first reading, you miss some really, really cool stuff biblically. So... Here's what I want us to think about. They're in the middle of controversy, and then in the middle of controversy, before they dig into the actual topic, Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's what I want you to consider before we start having this discussion together. And he's actually laying ground rules to them about the discussion. Okay? And so that in itself may even help you get a sense of maybe where Paul is going. So stop and think about it in this light. If we're in the middle of an argument, if we're in the middle of an argument, two sides are debating a little bit, and he says, hey, well, you know, we got to be careful here because knowledge has the capacity to get us all puffed up. Okay? What do you think he potentially is trying to get to in the midst of this argument, in the midst of this controversy that's going, these two sides that are going at each other? What do you think potentially maybe he's trying to warn them about? Okay, so we got some more hands. Oh. Sorry, Mary, she ran right by you. All right. Yep. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Um, um, knowledge, as we learn things, sometimes even in the Word as we learn things, we, we may have a tendency to talk down to others. Oh, well, you don't know that. You're, okay. you're not. You're so there not may a, be. There may so, so there's, I think, a balance between knowledge and love. Just because you know something, we need to abide in love as we instruct, as we teach, as we are, okay. are just dealing with other people. So, All right. I think we're darn close. There's only one true God, and the idols have no power whatsoever. Right. You're dead on, and you're true. As a matter of fact, Paul's going to get us there in just a few minutes. So you actually taught the rest of the Bible study, Mary. We can go home now. Okay. So, all right. Stop and think about this. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I can help us get there a little bit. Ever, ever been in a heated argument? And both sides are dead sure they're right. And in the midst of that argument, in in a moment when two sides are dead sure they're right, it begins to turn into anger with one another, doesn't it? Right? I mean, I'm right, and and I'm right, and I'm right, and and I'm going to go get my facts, and I'm going to get my facts, and I'm going to bring them back. And in the midst of that, you ready? If you're not careful... It stops even being about the discussion and becomes about winning. 
And I believe what Paul is saying is, look, 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 you got you to be careful because here's what happens. You can get in the midst of this thing and, and you can have a whole bunch of knowledge and you can throw all your verses into the fray and you can, and pretty soon it just becomes, everyone's getting all puffed up and posturing and everything else. And we forget that we were actually trying to figure out, you ready, how to serve God better. And instead, this whole debate becomes about, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. And, and, and this thing gets incredibly prideful, incredibly puffed up, and I'm not going to give in because you won't give in. And at the end of the day, the only thing that will make me happy, you ready? The only thing that will make me happy is if you finally admit that you were wrong and that I was smarter than you, then I'll be happy. And I think Paul is saying, guys, 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 you've already gotten so heated in this argument. You guys have already gotten so into this. You are so convinced that you are biblically right, that you know the answer to this thing. That even if I tell you the answer, you're not going to be okay with it. Because at the end of the day, you've turned this into winning and losing. And that is not what this is supposed to be about. This is not about you winning. This is not about another spiritual notch in your belt. This ought to be about serving Jesus and coming up with the right answer. Does that make sense? How many, how many, people, in, how many people in here are good arguers? Come on, let's just be honest. You, you can win fights you have no business winning. Okay, there you go. All right. And... and it, it, isn't it honest? Isn't it honest that there's sometimes you may even know you're wrong, but being wrong got lost a lot. I just want to win. And I'm, I'm going to take and I'm going to manipulate and I'm going to push and I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to wear them out and win. I think Paul is saying, hey, guys, 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 we're, we're getting right there with this thing. This, this, this thing is about someone has to win, someone has to lose. There's a whole bunch of pride at stake in the room. Knowledge is getting you, and we're getting all puffed up with each other. That is never how two Christians ought to be dealing with the topic. Because here's, here's the thing, guys. Why, why do you think we have like four gazillion, gazillion denominations? Because every one of the four gazillion, gazillion denominations thinks they're writer than the other denomination, right? And I think Paul's saying in the midst of this, look, look, you may be, you may be. But at the end of the day, if you and I spend all of our, and don't me wrong, I, I think you and I need to know what the Bible says. You and I need to have absolute conviction about it. You and I have to have a sense that says, I think I have figured this out accurately. But at the end of the day, this cannot regress to, we are writer than you. It just can't. Because at that point, then we'll become pretty prideful and we'll be throwing each other away. Because we're righter than them. Okay? So I think he comes in and he goes, guys, guys, we, we, you guys have already gotten, whoa, whoa this, is, this is getting personal and this is getting out there and pride's at stake and it's all about winning. Matter of fact, and the reason I think he's there and maybe the next part of the verse uh, helps us to get there is because what he contrasts this with. So let's go back. He says, now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love does what? Builds up. Okay, so he says, look, look, you, you got off track. You, you turned this thing all into winning this argument. But, but what you've forgotten to do is love the person you're in the conversation with. And if you were really loving your brother, if this was really about loving each other and having a legitimate discussion about what you believe the Bible is saying, then, then what would be your ultimate goal? What does he say? Love does what? Builds up. See, what he's saying is, look, look, look. If, if two Christians are sitting down and we're going to sit down and talk about Scripture and discuss how we ought to behave in light of Scripture, at the end of the day, the goal is not about who's right and who's more theologically correct. And guys, got to hear this in context because I'm a guy who wants to be right theologically and I want us to be accurate theologically. But he's just saying at the end of the day, this is not about that. It's about at the end of the day that we would both be better equipped to serve God. That, I, I, that I'm not arguing with you whether or not we baptize babies or don't baptize babies. Not because I want to be righter than you. I argue that with you because in the end of the day, I want us both to be serving God more accurately and better. 
I want us to be more in line with Scripture. And the truth is, if I, if I disagree and I think, boy, you know, maybe we shouldn't be baptizing babies, I'm not doing that to be righter than you. I'm doing that so that maybe you would follow Christ more accurately. Does that make sense? That I would be building you up in the faith. And we would both be better for the discussion. Does that make sense to anybody in the room? Or are we just going? All right. And so he says, look, look, as we get to ready to talk about this topic, we got to get back to this idea that says this is about us making each other better as we serve Jesus Christ. And we want to get to what's accurate. We want to get to what's right. But we can't make this about winning an argument. It's got to be about building one another up in our faith to be stronger Christians. That's what we got to be aiming for. Because when we do that, then all of a sudden, all the puffy pride, all the posturing, all the manipulative parts of our argument to win for the sake of winning, we can throw all those away and get honest about looking at this topic together because we're trying to build each other up in Christ. Just a question. How different would our marriages be? If in the midst of our discussions... Instead of getting puffed up and saying, look, 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 this is about me winning. What if the discussion was really about how do we reach a place in which we have a better marriage and build one another up? What if that was really the goal of the discussion and not whether or not I win the argument? It'd change some of our discussions, wouldn't it? We would, we would treat each other differently and we'd probably have to say we were sorry a lot less often. Okay? And that's all Paul's doing. I think he's saying, look, guys, remember why we're having... At the end of the day, this is about us all following Jesus better. It's not about who wins the argument. Okay? So here we go. And it's actually a pretty interesting argument. And here's the deal. Don't get confused or or sidetracked by the fact that you go, how does the... Food sacrificed to idols? I don't remember the last time that happened at the butchery. You know, it's okay because this is going to have huge application for our lives. Okay, so let's go there and then we'll figure some of that out. Here we go. Verse 3. But the man who loves God... Oh, this verse 2. The man who thinks that he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. So he's basically, he's kind of tongue-in-cheek. He's going, you think you're pretty smart. You're not even smart yet, so... But the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that, and Mary already took us here. We know that an idol is nothing at all in this world, and there is no God but one. So, what's his basic premise? What's his basic statement about food sacrificed to idols? There's only one God. So, think of this through. If there's only one God, in other words, if there's, there's just God... And now I've made an idol of a horse. And I bow down and I pray to that idol. I mean, I pray to that idol weeping. I pray to that idol with sincerity. I pray to that idol with all of my heart. What did it change? Nothing. Nothing. And, and so Paul starts says, you know, let's, just, let's just be sure we get this right. Since there is no God behind the idol, since there's only one God and there is no horse God, I don't care how much you pray, in actuality there was no effect. There, there was nothing that happened to that meat, no matter how much that butcher prayed. He probably really didn't pray, he just stuck the horse thing out there to make everybody happy. But no matter how much he prayed, it didn't change anything. You get the premise? Okay. For there is no God but one God. Verse 5. For even if there were... Okay, so he's not saying there are. He's saying even if there were... Okay. So-called gods... And notice he uses little g. uh, Gods, whether in heaven or on earth... And then watch this. As indeed there are many little g gods... And many little L lords. Huh. That's interesting, isn't it? What do, you, what do you think he meant by that? The things that we idolize. I mean, I'm thinking about mm. in today's society, the things that become our idols like power, money, prestige. I don't know if that's what they're talking okay. about, but maybe 
putting other things before God. I think he is. I think, I think he's saying there, there really is only one God, but you and I have made, you ready? You and I have made many gods. And, and you, don't, you don't think for a moment that Paul here isn't setting a point. He's saying, look, guys, there really is only one God. There's only one God that it matters to. There's only one God who changes things. There's only one God who's worth the prayer. But let's be honest, you and I have made many gods in our life. We, we, have, we have found a whole array of other things to worship. Yep. Something just hit me when we were talking about fallen many months ago where the devil is going to be coming at us from different directions. Mm-hmm. There is one God. But the devil might be coming by way of all the little G's and the little L's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think there is the potential within every one of our lives that depending on how far you and I get off track on worshiping false things, that you, first off, Satan's got to love that. I mean, at the end of the day, you get Satan, Satan, Satan doesn't care that we worship him. I mean, when's the last time Satan walked in the room and said, hey, let's do some Satan worship? Because the reality is we'd all go, no. Are you kidding me? Satan worship? I'm not doing Satan worship. How many, how many people go, I, I think I could recognize that and I probably would not participate. All right, mo- all right, a couple of you going, I don't know. I might just do it. All right. So you get, you get that's never going to be the offer. Not for, not for 95% of us. 95% of us, he's not going to say, okay, let's go cut some goat up and drink the blood. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, worship your job. He's going to say, worship the next bigger, flatter screen TV. He doesn't care as long as your and my attention isn't on the God. And at that moment, he just goes, I won. I scored a touchdown. I'm good. And he is thrilled out of his mind any time you and I take the little G and the little L gods into our lives. He loves it. But it's, it's interesting because we're going to, uh, you know, we're doing the whole Disciples series right now. And at the end of the day, let's just be really, 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 really honest. We worship TVs and we worship our jobs and we worship our cars and we worship a whole bunch of things. But at the end of the day, what is it that we're really worshiping? Well, it is nothing, and Paul would say that. But what is it that we've turned our love and our affection and our to ourselves? Because isn't it true at the end of the day we, we worship the TV because it will make us happy? And isn't it true we want that newer car because it will make us feel better about ourselves and make us look better to our friends? And at the end of the day, think about this, guys. At the end of the day, if you really, 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 really think about the things that we worship... Aren't they really, in many ways, just mere reflections of us? I want the status. I want the approval. I want the praise of others. And at the core of it, I mean, just at the core of it, isn't it about me? Which is an interesting thing, because think about this. Okay, so remember I said, Satan doesn't care that we worship him. He just cares that we worship anything that's not God. So now go to the next step. And when we worship something that's not God, in actuality, we're worshiping ourselves, right? We're saying, what I need and what I want is more important than what God wants. So we're placing ourselves above God in our value system. Grab your Bibles. Go with me real quick to the book of Isaiah. We, we weren't even going to do this. We'll go there. Okay, if you're not more familiar, middle of your Bible is probably going to be Psalms or Proverbs. Work to the right a little bit. Isaiah chapter 14. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 14 is the fall of Satan. And here's the question. What was Satan worshiping that day? You ready? Here we go. This is Isaiah chapter 14. We'll start in verse 12. You tell me when we get done what Satan was worshiping. How are you fallen from heaven, O morning star? Another name for Satan uh, before the fall. 
uh, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. And here we go. You ready? You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And stars of God is probably a reference to angels. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder your fate. Is this the man? Is this the one that shook the earth and made the kingdoms to tremble? What was Satan worshiping? Himself. So in that, get this, in the moment in which he can distract you and I to worship anything other than God, we, we just said out loud, we are ultimately worshiping ourselves because it's about my gratification. What did Satan do? Satan's answer to God was, dude, this is not about you. This is all about me. And he worshiped himself. That's why he doesn't care what you worship. He doesn't care because you look just like him when you worship anything except God. Okay? All right, so back to... Well, I don't know why we said that. All right. First uh, Corinthians, back to chapter 8. So he says, uh, hey, can we... Are, guys in the back, are we going to be able to get the thing up on the screen or is that just cooked for tonight? I think that answer is cooked for tonight. Okay. All right. So then let's do this real quick. What are, what are some of the things that you... Oh, is... All right. I'm going to try this. I don't... They're still scaring me. But okay. All right. I'm writing and nothing is happening. Okay. All right. So we're probably cooked. All right. So here's, here's the question. What are... We started... What are some of the things that you and I worship other than God? What are the things that we tend to let our hearts go to? Okay. Not us, other people. All right. So what are, the, what are those things that tend to grab other people? Money. Hey, guys, let me, let me, can I just say this out loud? I'm just going to say it in this room because you guys, you guys all love me and would never be mad at me. So um, you, you know what the most interesting thing is? What do, you think, what do you think is the one topic that if a pastor talks about it, half the church gets mad at it? Money. Why is that? Why is that? I mean, I, I, I talk about lying and no one goes, Well, dare you talk about lying. I, what are you meddling with my lying for? No one does that. You know, if I say, hey, look, you shouldn't be committing adultery. The adulterers don't go, golly. All right, now he's out of bounds. Now he's out there. But you talk about money. What, what, why is that? Because the world revolves around money. We work, you know, 40 hours a week for it. We put money in our gas tanks. We pay rent, mortgage. We pay for our cell phone. The world revolves around money. And here's my question. You ready for this? I use my money and I distribute my money according to what I worship. Jesus said it, right? Where your money is, there your heart is. You get, you get, I'm just going to say this out because we love each other and you're not going to get mad at me like every, because you guys get it, but you get this as a false God issue. This is a, you cannot love God and money. Why did Jesus, and here, here's what I'm just going to say real honestly in this room, guys, look, the church needs money to run everything else. But you, you, get, you get there's not a pastor on this staff that gets a percentage of the offering. You get that, right? You get that every time I talk about money, someone gets stinking mad at me. Not just someone, a lot of someone. So why in the world, when the bills are being paid and everything else is all right, why, why would we talk about money? Because you can't get past this topic. You can't not do this. And love God. Because money is our number one false God. It's above sex. It's above drugs. It's above entertainment. Money is the number one false God in our world. 
and, and, and I'm just going to be really, really bold, and I'll just say it real loud. People who have brought their money into subjection to God, people who have said, look, I'm going to obey God in this area, you don't get mad when you talk about money. You don't. You don't. Because you go, no, you're right. I, until I slayed that false god in my life, I was in trouble. Hey, Lynn, like you were saying, though, the church doesn't run on free. And no, it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely and, doesn't. And like everything else, you know, God has created everything. It's all his money. You know, it's just people need to come to that um, that point in their life where they realize that not only the job they have is from the Lord, yeah. but the money they have is the Lord's too. Yeah, I heard a preacher who stood up one time in front of his church and said, look, here's the deal. God's got all the money he needs. It's just still in your wallet. <laughs> so, but guys, and I'm just I'm just saying this because I'm just saying this because, and, and this isn't I'm not asking you for any money tonight. I'm just saying you get the reason this bugs us is because it's a false god. Because if we didn't worship it, if if I came to you and said, hey, I need dirt, can I have dirt from your yard? You go, yeah, you can have some dirt. I don't care. Take because you don't worship it. This bugs us because we worship it. We believe that our hope for the future, we believe that our safety, we believe that our comfort, we, we think it's all tied into that gold stuff. We believe it's stronger than the God. Yeah? Isn't it biblical that it says the love of money is the root of all evil? The love of money. Yes. yes the love of money. Money's not evil. It's no more evil than a Lexus or it's no more evil than a flat screen TV. When I devote my love to it, when I devote, the truth is if I devote my love to my girlfriend above God, that's evil. Anytime anything in my life rivals my love for God. Remember we talked a little about on Sunday. We just said, look, God just said to us, you've got to love me in a completely different category than anything else in this world. So, but the reason Jesus talked so much about money was because he knew that was his biggest rival. That's our biggest mistress is money. Okay. What else? So I'm, I, I did my spiel. What else? What else do we worship? Huh? Possessions. God loves me better than you because my pile's bigger than yours. Power. Our time. Our time. Isn't that interesting? Man, we, we, don't we, don't we, man, we worship our time. We guard our time, which I'm just going to toss in the room guys to say, one of the ways you'll know you're not worshiping false gods is when you say, God is the owner of my time. He owns my time. And if God were to say, hey, I need some time, you'd be, you, your answer would be, well, absolutely. It's your time. What else do we worship? Huh? Our spouse. It's possible to worship our spouse. Huh? Education. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh? Vanity. Yeah, that lasts till you're about thirty five and then it just Yeah. But yeah, we do. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh? We gotta get mics out because sports. No, 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 no. Now you're meddling. Ah, just, that is an avid fanship. That's yeah. Yeah. Couldn't possibly be. Maybe video games, though, right? Okay, all right, so we get the gist. And guys, here's the deal, and here's all that Paul's saying. He's just saying, look, we all know, we all know, we all know there's only one big G God. And, And look, no matter how much you pray to the little G gods, it can't affect the meat, it can't change the meat, we all know that. But I And I love the fact that he puts the plug in. But we know there are a lot of little G gods. And you don't think that in that moment he wasn't poking at the Corinthian church? That he wasn't in some way having this very same discussion to say to them, you guys are getting all freaked out and you're getting all weirded out of a little idol in the market, and the truth is you've made a bunch of idols in your hearts. You don't think he wasn't poking that button? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. For even though, we're back in verse 8, for even though there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, 
as indeed there are many little g gods and many little l lords, yet for us there is but one God and Father from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such foods, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But God does not bring us near to God. Uh, but food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Look, here's, here's what's really at stake. There are going to be some people who are weak. So when he uses that terminology, who do you think he's putting in the classification of potentially being weak on this topic? Who would fall into that category? The two sides in the church that are arguing about it. Um, that's a good thought. I don't think that's, I don't think that's it, uh, on the deal who, in other words, he's saying, look, there are some people here. Let me help us get there. He says, look, you and I know you and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's only one God. And that, and that no matter how much that butcher prayed to that idol, it didn't do anything. You and I know that. But there are some people who are weak. There are some people who don't understand that. Okay? They, don't, they, they haven't come to that place of knowledge yet. So who would be the weak? Baby Christians. Baby Christians. So brand new converts, baby Christians, they're still wrestling with and they're still a little bit scared. And, and you know what the truth is? Those baby Christians are still a little worried that that horse god might come out in the middle of the night and get them. And so they're a little worried about this on the deal. Who else is weak? Non-believers. Okay. So everybody who is out there who hasn't met God yet and believes in the horse god is weak on this topic. Okay? You and I know the horse God didn't do anything to the meat, but not baby Christians and not people who haven't found Jesus, not people who are pre-Jesus. Th- those people don't get this. They don't, they don't understand what you and I know. Okay? So then he goes on. Verse 7, but not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it. As having been sacrificed to an idol. In other words, they're saying, look, the reason it's okay to eat this meat is because I kind of in my heart still think maybe that horse idol thing blessed it a little bit. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. So so stop and think about this. Here's what he's saying. Even though there is no real horse God, but if in my heart I kind of think there is, And so the reason I feel okay eating the meat, okay, so follow along. The reason I feel okay eating that meat is because I believe the horse God blessed it. Okay, then what did I just do? So let's put it in the context. I'm a young Christian. I'm a baby Christian. And and someone serves me meat and I say to them, has this been blessed by the horse God? And they say, yes, this has been blessed by the horse God. And then I go, oh, good. Okay, so now I can eat it. Now, you and I as more mature Christians know the horse God didn't do anything to the meat. But that baby Christian didn't know that. That baby Christian didn't believe that. So what was the baby Christian trusting in? The idol. The baby Christian was trusting in the horse God. But doesn't that also place doubt? Huh? It also places doubt, and it's kind of funny sure. because last week I bought a motorcycle, and I put a cross on it, and I have my cornerstone cross just because I want people to know that I'm not a hell's angel. I'm Jesus' angel. Yeah. But a friend of mine told me, oh, you got a cross. You need a priest to bless that. Ah. And I was like, what do you mean? I said, I have Jesus to bless it. Right. And they were like, oh, okay. And I said, where's your doubt? Where's your faith in Christ? I ride with Christ. I don't need, if something happens, I'm just going to be in heaven quicker. But there's that doubt that comes into us as Christians that we have to remind people where our faith lies. Right. Okay, so I think that's pretty close to what's happening in this situation. They're saying, hey, look, uh, here you are. Here's this baby Christian. And... They're still not ready 
to not trust the horse God a little bit. They're still, you know, counting. And, and, and so now they're making sure before they eat the meat, the horse God has blessed it. So even though the horse God's not real, even though it's not there, Paul's saying that's a problem because they're putting their faith, you ready? They're putting their faith in something, anything besides God. We're following so far? Sort of? Kind of nod your head and make me feel better. Okay, all right, all right, so let's keep going. Um, verse 8, but food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat or no better if we do. In other words, who cares that it was blessed by the horse God? The horse God didn't change anything because the horse God's not real. You eat the meat, it doesn't do anything to you. Don't eat the meat, it doesn't do anything to you. But verse 9, he says, but be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if one of the weak consciences sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't they be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ has died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brother in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So what's he saying? What do I do about food sacrificed to idols? Do I eat it or don't I eat it? What does he say? I don't eat it if I'm in a context where a baby Christian might see me doing that and it might cause him real confusion about where my faith is. Does that make sense? But what if I was sitting in a room of completely solid, fairly mature Christians? Everybody in the room gets it. Everybody knows. What would Paul say? It's okay. We, we all get it. We get that nothing happened. And so what he's saying here is, guys, really, this, this issue, because the... Now, get there. got to get the thing. Is because it's not sin to eat meat offered to idols. It's not. Because the idol's not real. It's not there. But it is possible that there's a context in which it would be sin. And that context is that you cause a weaker Christian to stumble... Because he doesn't understand your freedom and your liberty. Okay, we're still mildly confused. All right, so let's talk about this. What are some things that maybe in this culture and in this day, Christians might debate about whether or not it was appropriate for a Christian to be part of it or not be part of it? Okay, what are some of those things? Well, I think one is uh, drinking. Drinking, okay. So drink. We're not, are we working? No, we're not working. Okay, so drinking would be one. What's another thing that would be on that list of the yoga? Yeah, is it? And, and guys, you realize there is a okay. There is a debate about that because you realize that a lot of yoga actually comes out of Eastern mysticism and Eastern religion. And yet the question is, well, wait a minute. What if Christians do it and they don't? They don't do any of the Eastern mysticism stuff. What if they don't give any glory to any of the Eastern gods when they do it? And it's just an exercise thing. It's a it's a it's a conversation within the church. Okay. The yes. Movie theater. Huh? The movie theater. Going to the movies. Going to movies. Okay. So it's, it's probably you know what type of movies? You know what is PG thirteen okay for a Christian? Is R okay for a Christian? What's NC-17? Oh, look at that. There we go. It's kind of working. Thank you. Okay, so we said... Let me, let me get this straight. Does this have anything to do with knowing about something and then passing it off? Like, example, you and your wife are going to sell a car, and you know it's a lemon. All right, so say this again. What, what? Say you and your wife own a, a vehicle. You know it's a lemon. It's worth $5,000, but you're going to get $10,000 for it because they don't know the transmission's bad. Am I... That's just of, dishonest. So, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that would not apply. Uh, there's a whole different set of scripture that would apply to that. Uh, yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, guys, you and I as Christians are, are, call, are called to deal with every man and honestly. And if I know the transmission is bad, the guy that's buying my car should know the transmission is bad, right? Because here's what I'm just telling you. If Jesus knew the transmission was bad, the man buying Jesus' car knows the transmission is bad, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Okay? And if you and I are to be like Christ, 
then the man buying our car knows the transmission is bad. If we know it's bad. Right? Okay. So. Okay. I have a question. It's kind of on topic and off topic. Um, But how do you respect other people and their little gods? Not their little gods, but how do you respect them when they believe in little gods? For example, we have a Muslim friend who one time came to visit and couldn't take his Quran home because I think he had dirty laundry or something. So he wrapped it in something and left it in a closet and said, don't touch it, because we couldn't touch it. We would make it dirty you'd make, or something, you'd make it dirty. I guess, yes. until he could come back and get it again. So were we, um, like... Should you have taken the Quran and thrown it on the floor and no. jumped on it? Yeah. No, but were Maybe we Maybe burned like, it. Yeah. Were we like encouraging him instead of No, I, I think I think you were absolutely fine. Here here's the deal. I think I think you and I you and I have to find that mark, and that's in some ways a little bit similar to this. You and I have got to find that mark that says, I'm willing to be respectful. Because the truth is no one's ever gonna to come to Christ with us disrespecting, you know, them in their life. I've got to find a way to be respectful without in any way giving credence. Does that make sense? Without any way saying, oh yeah, uh, the Quran is just as legitimate as the... No, it's not. It's not just as legit. It's not even close to as legit as the Bible. So you and I got to find a way to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do anything disrespectful to you. Because here's the deal at the end of the day, guys. If somebody's going to turn away from the gospel and someone's going to turn away from Christ because of what Jesus said or because of what the Bible says, more power. More power. And you get that Jesus says some pretty straightforward things. And if you know, a whole bunch of times the scripture says, and when they heard Jesus say that, they left. They just said no. That's fine. And if someone wants to turn down Jesus based on who Jesus is, that's okay. Let's just not let anyone turn down Jesus based on our obnoxiousness. Does that make sense? So you, you, I think you're fine to say, hey, the, you know, your Quran can sit there. I won't burn it, but I'm not going to read it. All right? I'm not, and, and I'm not. Okay? All right, so back. Movies, movies are something that Christians argue about. Drinking is something that Christians argue about. Yoga is something we argue about. What? Anything else real quick? Music. If it's not Air One, you're going to purgatory. All right. Uh, only Air One says that. But, huh? Clothing. Clothing is a good one. Sports. Do we really argue about, about which team or... Whether or not to participate. Really? All right, I'm going to put it down, but boy, that one's easy for me. All right. Gambling. What else? Cars. I like cars. I don't know why we're talking about cars, but okay. All right. I, I've got one. All right, so here's the deal. All right, so let's, let's, let's put this in context, okay? Take exactly what... Paul has just done now, and this is why this is, this is important for you and me. Because, here's what I'm going to suggest to you. I think you're pretty hard-pressed to find a definitive verse. on any, I, I can't remember a single verse that says, okay, look, 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 look. PG-13, only the S-word three times, okay. PG-13, S-word four times, no. I don't think that verse is in the Bible. I don't know where it is. So you and I have been left to make some decisions about these topics in our lives. You get that? And guys, let me, let me just throw in a little thing. Why do you think God left some of this stuff unsaid? Do you think Jesus knew there was going to be PG-13 movies someday? He could have told us this answer, right? You don't, you don't think he didn't know the Christians were going to argue about gambling someday? He could have told us this answer, right? Why do you think God left these unsaid. Why would he do that? To make us seek him. Yeah. Here's, here's the deal, guys. I, I believe that some of these topics, especially these topics that feel a little gray in our lives, he left so that you and I would have to pursue him, that you and I would all have to go before him and say, God, how do you want me to handle this in my life? Because I don't want to be wrong about it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. I don't want to confuse anybody about my faith. 
So God, I, I want to seek your face and ask you what you speak to me. How do you want me to deal this topic in my life? How do you want me to handle it? Because you know what the truth is? All of us within Christianity get really easily into legalism, right? And if God gives you all the rules and all the little boxes to check, that gets real easy. But this seeking God stuff, that's a little harder. And I believe our God loves for you and I to seek His face. Okay? But, with all that said, now I come back to this chapter in which Paul says, okay, as we're having this topic, and you may be on the side that says, look... I, I think alcohol's okay. I don't give a flip. I think gambling's okay. Who cares? I don't care about movies. You may be, and you say, I just have, I think I have liberty to do anything I want to do. And Paul says, no, you don't. No, you don't. Even if you believe that, even if you believe that it's okay to go to that type of movie, or even if you believe drinking that is all right, even if you believe that gambling, that, even if you think you have that freedom, not if you're going to cause a young Christian to stumble. Not if you're going to cause somebody else to miss Jesus or wound their faith. No, you don't. You don't have that liberty. You don't have that freedom. Okay? How much time we have? Okay, so let me give you a real quick story and then we could ask a question. I, I'm just going to say out loud to you guys, on almost every one of these topics, except for cars um, and sports... Um, I'm, I'm, I am pretty darn conservative. I am, and, but let me tell you why I am. It's, it's because I, ref, I refuse to wound a younger Christian. And here's what I know about leadership, okay? That whatever the leader does, chances are the people that follow him say, I don't have to be as good as the leader because he's the leader so I can do half of what he does. If you guys haven't figured this out yet, how many are parents in the room? That's exactly what your kids say. So I'm just going to tell you, when it, guys, gals, when it comes to your language, and you're sitting around the house and you go, that's a pile of... And oh, your kids believe this about that. Those are my old fogey parents, and I only have to be half as good with my language as they are with theirs. That's what they believe. Now, when they're older, they won't. But right now, I'm just telling you, that's what they believe. So whatever your standard you're setting, your kids are shooting for half of it. And so here's what I said. If I want the people of Cornerstone to be God-seeking, God-fearing people, and if I know that an awful lot of them will say, hey, if that's what Lynn does, then I can do half of it, then I better be fairly careful about what I do. I'm going to suggest to you, you've got people in your life who are watching you and are anticipating doing exactly half of what you do. And you need to be careful, even if you feel liberty, even if you feel absolutely okay about it. Be careful who's watching and what they're going to do with the liberty you exercised. So, I'll give you my example. I, the other night I, I go to the movies, and I man I'm I'm careful for the most part about my movies. I think if you knew the movies, I'm not going to tell you which movie because then you'll do half of it. But um, I'm pretty darn careful about movies. As a matter of fact, one of the things I do is there's a thing you can go online. And it's called Plugged In Online. Have you guys ever done that? Okay, it tells you exactly what's in the. I mean, you're going to hear you're gonna, how many S words, how many F words, how, how many times you know the blouse flies open. You're going to every bit of it. Is, it so I. I check it out before I go. I just go, I, I'm going to know exactly what I'm getting into. And this night, Lisa and I were in a hurry. I didn't go to Plugged In Online. And uh, there was a movie on, and, and I, I knew the actor. And I, I knew sometimes he made not great movies, but most of the time he made pretty good. And the previews had been really cool. And I'm standing in line, and I'm getting my popcorn. And this couple, this young couple, is standing in line next to me. And uh, they go, hey, what movie are you going to? Well, they recognize me. Pastor Lynn, Pastor Lynn. And they go, what movie are you going to? And I told them what movie. And I watched their face. <laughs> and they said, and I said, well, you know, what's going on? They go, well, you know, I just, I just I, I, he said, I, I, that movie looked a little dark to me. And I went, no. Oh. I saw the same previews. I didn't think it looked dark. I thought it looked kind of funny. I didn't think it looked very dark. And, yeah, okay. 
So I go in the movie. It was dark. It was so dark. And you know what? Here's, here's, I'm just going to tell you. There was nothing. It had demons in it and stuff. I, it didn't do anything to me. I mean, it didn't change my faith. And I didn't lay awake at night going, ah! you know, I didn't, it didn't do anything to me. But I'll tell you, it hurt my heart to think that I don't, because I don't know how strong those Christians were. I don't know how far they were in their faith. I don't, you know, I don't know if they were ready to go, hey, Lynn probably just didn't check it out really well and probably regrets it. Or if they're going, man, our pastor goes to dark movies. <laughs> See, the truth is, guys, you and I, and here's what, here's what Paul's trying to say. You and I don't have the liberty of setting a standard just for ourselves. You and I set a standard for the people around us who haven't figured our Jesus out yet, too. So be careful, be careful, be careful. Even how you live those things that you believe you have liberty in. That you're not causing... I mean, look, look how powerfully he says this toward the end. He says, So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge... When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. Now here's the deal, guys. We know that Paul ate meat again and it's there. He's just, he's just setting an example. He's just simply saying, Be careful, be careful, even over the things you think you have liberty with that you don't wound the heart or slow the path of somebody who's not quite as strong as you and doesn't understand the liberty in your life. And I'm just going to suggest to you as, as your pastor, as you and I attempt to follow Christ, it never, at the end, let, let me just give this and then you can have. Let's say, let's say, uh, all right, let's use this example. Let's say you come to a place in your life that you would say about gambling. Gambling with $20 is okay. That's okay. I feel complete liberty about gambling with $20. I feel like gambling with $30 would be reckless. You know, maybe based on your budget or based on... So whatever that is, you've set that standard in your life. Okay? You've set that standard. What is, what is your and my natural tendency to do? How much do we gamble with if we think gambling with $20 is okay? How much are you going to gamble with? 200 <laughs> See, we'll gamble with 20 won't we? If we think it's right, we'll go right up to the limit. And here's just, uh, guys, again, what you've got to be aware of. The person watching you will always double it. In that case, I mean, guys, we're all talking about It's okay. This changes, though, guys, and we, let's talk, how we behave in our dating lives when we're dating. And when you and I say, hey, maybe it's okay to go this far, but younger and weaker Christians say, I'm going to do half. See, this becomes an issue when it comes to movies. And if you go, I'm going to go out to movies that just push the limits of whatever my freedom is. And then younger Christians go further. And at the end of the day, let's, let's, here's the imaginary line. And when you and I stand in front of Jesus in heaven, what if you and I said, I think I have freedom to hear, but even though I have freedom to hear, I think I'll always live here so that I can be sure that I stand right with my Lord. Isn't that better than if you and I always push the line and then get to heaven and find out the line was actually a little further back and we were always on the wrong side of it? See, I'm, I'm just, you know... When it comes to this stuff, I just, I just don't want to get there and find out I didn't live it very well. I'd rather find out I lived it a little too safely when it comes to topics of holiness in my life. I'm willing to miss a movie is what I'm saying, guys, in hopes that I don't hurt the heart of my Savior and hurt other Christians. So when I get to a movie that has doubt in my heart, my answer is pretty simple. I just don't. I just don't. I'd rather be safe than sorry on this regard. I think that's exactly what Paul is saying. Okay. We're done? All right. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll take off. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a chance to dig into Scripture and 
consider. God, I, I thank you that you left some of this stuff gray, that you left some of this stuff for us to figure out in our lives. But God, here's, here's also my prayer tonight. That we would be so concerned about finding your heart in the gray, in the things that you left open for us, that we would always err on the side of righteousness and on holiness and refuse to err on the side of, I may have just disappointed my Lord. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys, and uh, I'll stay around for a few minutes. Yep.